your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Friday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, March 25th, 2021. Your boy Q here with you, trying to finish off the week really, really strong as we head into the weekend. Of course, we're going to end the week really, really strong. That's just how we get down here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Excited about today's show. Got a lot to get to. I got so much to get to, I can't really even decide on what order (laughs) I'm going to do it in. Just because, again, I got so much that I'm excited about and can't wait to talk about. So let's go ahead and just jump right into it and see how everything shakes out. Segment number three i do know calls and texts straight off that locked on raider podcast voicemail line got a lot of good feedback that i want to get to as like i said trying to finish off the week really really strong segment number two i haven't talked a whole lot of nfl draft yet this year uh just because the way everything is shaking out there's been a lot of storylines surrounding the raiders so i haven't had to talk a whole lot of nfl draft but we'll do that in segment number two my guy sigmund bloom from footballguys.com uh he had an nfl breakdown for me he was on my show on fox sports central texas and we talked about you know the cornerback position talked about a couple couple cornerbacks in particular, safeties, linebackers, uh, defensive tackles, edge rushers, O-linemen. I mean, we had a lot of good conversations, so I got the breakdown of that in segment number two. Here in segment number one, I'll give you the news and the notes of the day, and there wasn't a whole lot of news and notes to get to as far as the Raiders were concerned, but there was a lot of news and notes to get to, so let's just go ahead and jump right into it, and what had to do with the Raiders? Wide receiver Willie Sneed, formerly of the Baltimore Ravens, he is uh, set to visit the Raiders. There was a tweet that came out on Thursday, I think Thursday early afternoon, I believe it was Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter, one of the two, said that uh, he was going to be visiting the Raiders. And then Vinny Bonsignor from the Las Vegas Review Journal and also Raider Nation Radio 920, he put out a tweet and said, hey, just an update on Willie Sneed's visit with the Raiders. Uh, the wide receiver has not yet arrived at the facility in Henderson. Don't expect any potential news on this front for a little bit. That was about Thursday evening. Then Vinny doubled down and said, hey, if Snead signs, and it's a big if at this point, none of those wide receiver salaries will prohibit the Raiders from addressing other positions. Still a buyer's market. And you know, Willie Snead is interesting to me. I didn't think that the Raiders would be in any kind of position to even entertain anybody at this point. And Willie Snead, I, I would have some interest in, you know, and I know that I've been kind of down on, on John Brown and some folks think, hey, Q, got to give him a chance. And I will. I'll give him a chance. And, and, and hey, he's a Raider. You know, he's a Raider. They got him on a one-year deal. It was a very reasonable deal, so I can't be mad at that. But I kind of like what Willie Snead brings to the table. You know, he's been in the league for quite a while since 2015. He started out with the Saints, uh, and last year he was with the Baltimore Ravens. Matter of fact, the last three years he's been with the Baltimore Ravens. But in 2020, played in 13 games, had 33 catches for 432 yards, uh, three touchdowns. So, I mean, not numbers that are going to jump off the table at you, but he was playing in Baltimore. And if you look at anyone in Baltimore, nobody's numbers just jump off the table. Matter of fact, in 2018, his first year in Baltimore, he had 62 catches for 651 yards. 2019, 31 catches for 339 yards. 2020, 33 catches. So Baltimore is not the places where wide receivers go to thrive. I think that he could do a really good job with the Raiders. I think Derek Carr would be able to get uh, you know, get along with him. And what I mean by get along is be on the same page with him. I really do think it would be a good fit if he can come to an agreement with the silver and black. But again, it's a big if, and it's not like it's a big necessity. But if you get him on a one-year deal that's a very reasonable price, I could definitely see the Raiders making a move for Willie Sneed. He's a guy that goes up and gets the ball. Uh, even though he's not the big 
biggest dude. He'll go up and get the ball and, and he'll fight for the ball. And he's, he's just one of those. He's like a gnat. You know, it's one of those that is always around, even though you're like, man, get away from me. You start to shoo him, but he's always around. That's just who he is. And, you know, he's only 28 years old, but just under six feet tall. He, he can go get it. He can go and make it happen. He's got a little bit of edge to him, too. So I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Willie Sneed in the silver and black. But again, uh, it's not a necessity. It's not something that they just got to go get a wide receiver right now. So it would be probably at this point more of a luxury than a necessity. But either way, uh, interesting to see what happens with Willie Sneed and his visit with the Raiders. Probably find out a little bit more later on today. Also, and this is really what was the big news that I wanted to get to, and this is kind of why I was confused. I didn't know if I was going to talk about this in segment number two and just have a whole segment about it, or would I just talk about it here in segment number one? So clearly I decided to talk about it right now. But uh, the Seahawks are going to either trade or release Jaron Reed. And Jaron Reed is a defensive tackle. And he put out a tweet on Thursday, said, it's been real, 12s. Tomorrow at 1, it's official. On to the next chapter. So depending on what time you're listening to this, Jaron Reed could already be a free agent. And I tweeted out, attention Las Vegas. I tweeted it out on top of his tweet. And a lot of people hit me and were like, Q, I think the Raiders have enough defensive linemen already because the Raiders have signed a bunch of defensive linemen. But a lot of defensive linemen is not Jaron Reed. You know what I mean? He's a defensive tackle, played in all 16 games last season. He was second on the team in sacks with six and a half, and he has 22 career sacks. What would six and a half sacks meant for the defensive tackle position for the Raiders? Think about that. Max Crosby led the team in sacks with seven. Jaron Reed had six and a half from the D tackle position. He's a different breed of dude. You know, uh, I got hit up talking about, hey, what about Solomon Thomas? Yeah, that's cool. Solomon has six career sacks. Jaron Reed had six and a half last year. Think about that. Six career sacks, and Solomon Thomas has been in the league since 2017. Jaron Reed got six and a half in one year, in 22 total in his career. And look, if you want to keep Solomon Thomas, fine. That's okay. You know, he's only on a one-year deal. Look, Quentin Jefferson... You think he's going to be better than than Jaron Reed? No. Whatever. I mean, look, if you want to go ahead and keep these guys for, uh, you know, for depth purposes and competition in camp, I'm okay with that. When push comes to shove and you get down to the final 53, you know what's going to happen. I mean, Jonathan Hankins is at the defensive tackle position. Just re-signed him. That's great. But you kind of know what you're going to get from him. I've mentioned it before. David Irving is one of those guys that he could play multiple positions, DN or defensive tackle. But he's a wild card. You don't really know exactly what you're going to get from him. So... You know, what are you going to do? Mo Hurst, I know he's on the roster. Matter of fact, my guy uh, T. Wolvie, he actually hit me up and was like, well, to go get him, you'd probably have to make a trade instead of having to wait for him to get released. So would you trade Mo Hurst? And I said, yep, sounds good to me. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. I didn't even hesitate. And everyone knows, anyone who's listened to this show for a long time, I don't pound the table for every guy that's available. I don't. I just say, okay, hey, let the chips fall where they may. But this is one similar to Unique Ngakwe, and I know a lot of people thought I was crazy for the longest, and now the Raiders have them, and we all think it's a good idea, or most of us think it's a good idea. This would be a good idea. This would be a great idea if the Raiders went and got that dude. I mean, this is a difference maker. You have Max Crosby that you feel pretty good that he's going to get seven or eight sacks, maybe even ten in a season. You got Unique Ngakwe that's never got less than eight sacks, and then all of a sudden you get a guy like Jaron Reed who can get that push up the gut, and that's something that Raider Nation – we all have been screaming for you. have got to find a way to get that push up the middle. And don't forget, the defensive tackle draft class is not very good this year. Christian Barmore, and I, I put it on Thursday's show, Daniel Jeremiah basically said he runs hot and cold. He's not always on. Sometimes he plays with a lot of effort. Other times he doesn't. Guess what? Jaron Reed, he plays with that effort all the time. He's an absolute stud. And yes, you'd have to give him a contract extension, but that's okay. He's a guy that I would say, hey, a contract extension is good. That's a good thing. Go get them. 
So I am all in on him. I think that there's no reason why the Raiders shouldn't go and make a move. And oh, by the way, I'm sure Gus Bradley would know how to use him in a major way. They want to get home at the front four, right? They don't want to have to blitz. If you got a guy like that getting that push up the gut, then you're good. In 2018, Jaron Reed had 10 and a half sacks. Now, I know in 2019, he took a dip, but he only played in 10 games. But man, this dude's healthy. He can go. He can go and get it done. He wants a big payday. He can go earn it. He can go earn that big payday with the silver and black. I I just think it's a no-brainer. I really do. And look, the Raiders may not have any interest in him at all, and that's okay. But I'm willing to say that he needs to be signed or he needs to be addressed and the, and the Raiders need to go and try to make a move for him and really whatever they've got to sacrifice I'm okay with and I'm telling you that right now with a straight face whatever they need to do to sacrifice to get that guy and make that defensive line that much more nastier that's exactly what I would do you have guys like Ngakwe and Crosby and 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 Reed <laughs> oh man I mean you want to talk about making everyone on the field better your corners and safeties play a lot better when the quarterback doesn't have time that would be an ideal situation, man. That, that, to me, would make that defensive line nasty. But that's just me. So uh, that's really all I got for you. Well, actually, I'll tell you this other piece of news because a lot of Raider Nation was uh, pounding the table for this guy to sign with the silver and black, and I didn't think it was ever going to happen. But Seattle did re-sign defensive end Carlos Dunlap. So they're letting Reed go, but they did re-sign Carlos Dunlap. He gets a two-year $16.6 million deal with $8.5 million guaranteed. So there you go. One guy's out. Uh, another guy returns. You know, they had him on the roster at the end of last season. They let him go in the offseason to redo his contract. He was supposed to make about $13 million. Now he's going to get eight and a half. so so be it. He goes back to Seattle, and, well, they, they're letting a big-time stud go. And I think that the Raiders should benefit and go ahead and do whatever it takes to pick him up. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of the Locked On Raiders podcast, news and notes of the day. Coming up in segment number two, you hear the breakdown of my interview with my guy Sigmund Bloom from footballguys.com talking all things NFL draft. That's coming up after I tell you about betonline.ag. They're not only the title sponsor of my other podcast I do on the Locked On Network, Locked On Bets, but they're your online sportsbook experts. You know, of course, uh, the NCAA March Madness Tournament for the men is about to get started again, and there's going to be a lot of upsets. There's going to be a lot of great action, and you can get off the sideline and get into the action by using betonline.ag. Open up a free account today, and when you do, if you use the promo code Locked On, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus just like that. So you put $200 in, you'll get an extra 100 to play with. You put 300 in, you'll get an extra 150 to play with. Whatever you put in, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus as long as you use the promo code Locked On. BetOnline.ag. Get off of the sideline and get into the game. And only with BetOnline.ag. Segment number two, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders. Your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to talk all things NFL draft and uh, love to talk to NFL draft. And I have my guy, Sigmund Bloom from footballguys.com. You can find Sigmund on Twitter at Sigmund Bloom. And he's really good at just breaking down the NFL draft. I have him on my radio show, you know, two, three times before the draft actually happens. I had him on just the other day. Matter of fact, on Thursday, I had him on. So wanted to bring what he had to say to the table and just really wanted to break it down and, and talk about a few position groups and talk about a few players in the NFL draft just so you can kind of you know wet your whistle for what's going to be coming up hot and heavy in the month of April so since I was talking about defensive tackles and I was talking about Jaron Reed in great length in segment number one and I'm telling you man I'm still thinking about that like man that would be so insane and I know Raider Nation would lose their mind on Twitter because they'd say what who's gonna play safety who's gonna play corner go get it make it happen Mayock what are you doing you know I, I can see it now I don't even care 
I don't even care. But <laughs> Jaron Reed would be a stud. But just to kind of double down on that, let's go ahead and start. And this wasn't even originally where I was going to start with Sigmund's conversation. But let's go ahead and start with the defensive side of the ball. And I asked him about the defensive tackle position and the edge rusher class. You know, what? what is his thoughts on D tackles and what is his thoughts on the edge rushers? This isn't a good defensive tackle class. You know, if you're looking for an impact player uh, defensive tackle, you're probably not going to find somebody. We may not see one go in the first round. Edge is a deep class, and Edge was also uh, one of the positions in free agency where you saw a uh, you know real rush to get that talent off the market. So you know between uh, Aziz Ojulari out of Georgia, uh, Quiddy Pay out of Michigan. Uh, Jalen Phillips out of Miami, who, you know, if it wasn't for his injury concerns, he's maybe the best pure prospect out of this group. You know, those three guys are, are all prospects that won't go in the top 10, but certainly will be off the board uh, in the first round and, and coveted players. So there you go. He didn't have a whole lot to say about the defensive tackles because it's not a very good defensive tackle class. Against Christian Barmore will probably be the first guy off the board and won't be in the first round. Most likely will be in round two. Again, going back to Jaron Reed. And I know the Raiders need safety help that's a glaring glaring hole they need to fill that safety void right uh well we talked about Trayvon Merrick for safety from TCU on Thursday's show you heard Daniel Jeremiah uh give his thoughts on him or actually you didn't hear Daniel Jeremiah's thoughts on him you heard Trayvon Merrick's thoughts on him so here's Sigmund Bloom's thoughts on Trayvon Merrick the safety from TCU is he confident he's going to be the first one off the board and then a kind of follow-up from me about how high he possibly could go in the first round I think so and you know he's a player you know maybe someone like Antoine Winfield who played a really great role for the Super Bowl winning uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers comes to mind where physically he's not necessarily ideal, but as far as his range, his play recognition, uh, you know, not really uh, instincts wise, you know, he puts himself in the right place at the right time. Uh, teams are going to love that. So I think you're, especially some of these playoff teams at the end of the first round, uh, he could be an addition for them. How, how high would you feel comfortable? I mean, I know you mentioned the end of the first round. Are you talking like yeah. 20, 24 and back, or would you feel a little comfortable even a little higher? Well, depending on the need, I, you know, I, I could see him going a little bit higher just because he's a player that makes you feel good about having him at the back end of your defense. You like his range. You know, again, there's no obvious holes in his game. He's not Sean Taylor. He's right. not a, a, a super prospect at safety that's going to go in the top 10, but he doesn't leave you wanting for more when you watch him. I'll tell you right now, Raider Nation, I'm starting to lean more and more and more to being comfortable with the Raiders going with Trayvon Merrick in the first round. I'm really starting to get a lot more comfortable with them taking him at 17 or even this. How about this? Maybe trading back a little bit and getting him at like 21, 22, 24 if possible. You know, if that's if that's if he's still on the board at that point. But if the Raiders were to target him in the first round, I'm really starting to get a lot more comfortable with the idea of him being on that back end. I know he's a rookie, and Jonathan Abram is a young dude too, and that's kind of risky, but I'm almost willing to take that risk, especially if, you're, if your defensive line is solid. If you have a solid defensive line that's going to get to the quarterback, I really, really feel a lot more comfortable. So, sticking with the defensive side of the ball, you know, cornerback is an area that I still think that the Raiders need to address and could address as early as the first round as well. And I know they got Damon Arnett and I know they got Trayvon Mullen, but, you know, if you're just looking, hey, I'm going to go with the best player available is, uh, you know, a Patrick Sertain when he dropped to 17, you know, as a J.C. Horn, is he going to drop? I mean, who who possibly knows? You know, Caleb Farley is a guy who's banged up, had to have back surgery after not playing in 2020, so I'd leave him alone. But, you know, how deep is this cornerback draft? Yeah, you know, Patrick Sutain, you know, we're getting, there we again uh, go to Alabama. 
Uh, he's going to be up there, and maybe Farley's injury makes him the number one corner in this draft. Uh, and, and after we get past those two, you know, we still have some potential first-rounders in guys like J.C. Horn, who I think is having his pro day today out of South Carolina, Greg Newsom out of Northwestern. Uh, and so it's not necessarily a, a truly elite class, but I still think we could see at least four go in the first round. So there you go. Sigmund Bloom talking about the cornerback class and four of them potentially going in the first round. I'm sorry, but Caleb Farley, for me, uh, he's hands off. You know, if you have to have a back surgery, regardless what kind of back surgery you are, I just feel like you're damaged goods. You know what I mean? And backs don't get better the older you get. This guy didn't even play in 2020 and he has to have a back surgery. So as far as I'm concerned, that dude's dropping down to the second round and maybe a team's getting a super steal, but I'm okay with passing on that guy. Uh, Health has got to be a major issue. The Raiders take too many chances on guys that aren't 100% healthy. They need to have health as far as I'm concerned. So either way, that's just me. How about the linebacking core? Uh, of course, a lot of people have talked to about Zayvon Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa. Uh, of course, I was pounding the table for Jeremiah Wusu koromoa uh, You know, there's others out there talking about Micah Parsons. So first I asked Sigmund his thoughts on Zayvon Collins, the linebacker out of Tulsa. Yeah, this is a guy that has defensive end size, but uh, you can basically play anywhere you ask him to as far as you know, it's coverage. And uh, he's going to obviously be a presence in run defense. Um, he's a, a player that I, I think is you know just jumps off of the film, especially in this time that defensive coordinators like deception. Uh, they like being able to have versatility in their personnel sets that be able to show one thing before the snap and then reveal something else after the snap. So he's a player that is going to be appealing. And uh, yeah, I would say likely in the first two or three off ball linebackers go off the board and could get into the first round. Sigmund got giddy. <laughs> he got excited about talking about Zayvon Collins. I mean, he all of a sudden, I wasn't looking at him. It was a phone call, not a, not a zoom call, but I, I can only imagine like all of a sudden he just sat up in his seat like, Hey, yeah. Zayvon Collins, let's go, you know, and he he was very high on Zayvon Collins, and I know a lot of Raider Nation has been very high on Zayvon Collins, so I doubled down on the linebackers and said, hey, so are you looking at these guys in the round one as maybe Micah Parsons one, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa two, and then Collins, what are your thoughts? Yeah, and Parsons is interesting because Lance Zierlein, who's in Houston Radio, and his dad was a, a offensive line coach in the NFL, so he's usually pretty connected. He uh, writes for NFL.com and does some tremendous draft breakdowns. In his latest mock draft, he had Parsons falling all the way to 29. You know, so there are some questions, hmm. uh, off-field type questions, that may cause him to fall. And, and then Owusu uh, Kora uh, Moa is, you know, this is a player that has got a lot of speed. Uh, you know, a run and chase uh, heat seeking missile type. <laughs> and that's not necessarily for every team, but I think that you know, he's obviously going to find a place where he's wanted and, and definitely get in the first round. Well, I know he said that Lance Zierlein had uh, Parsons going at the end of round one, but after he ran that, what, 4-3-9 or whatever, I mean, he's just blazing speed at Penn State's Pro Day. Uh, I think he's got himself solidified as the number one linebacker is going to be taken off the board and definitely not at the end of the first round. But either way, I mean, that's just how these mock drafts go and just the thoughts of different NFL mock draft minds. So uh, I saved the best for last, and what I mean by that is the the biggest class, and that's offensive line. Of course, the Raiders have a need at right tackle. Uh, we 
We all know that, you know, and the thought is that, you know, the Raiders are going to go and get a right tackle at number 17. And would that shock me? No. But also, if they went and got a Trayvon Merrick, that wouldn't shock me either. And then just get an offensive line or right tackle later because the class is so deep. So I asked Sigmund, what is his thoughts on the offensive line class and who does he think could be a day one starter? Yeah, and that's, I think, when we're looking at the top of the draft, you started off well uh, with the quarterbacks because the story of the first round is always going to be the quarterbacks. But we may see these tackles. And look, tackle is a pretty brutal position. You know, everybody was buying for Trent Williams. If you didn't get Trent Williams in free agency, you, uh, you're looking at the scrap heap. I mean, there are guys like Alejandro Villanueva, Russell Okung haven't even been signed yet. Riley Reef for the Bengals as a stopgap. So, you know, the Bengals are a team picking at number five. Uh, the Miami at number three has two tackles that they got last year that they like, Austin Jackson and, and Robert Hunt. So you may well see a team trade up to get an offensive tackle and not a quarterback. If we hear a trade up in the top five, we'll have to have some suspense there because you have Panay Sewell out of Oregon who is that – shut down left tackle as far as his size, strength, and movement, footwork. Uh, he's he's everything you want. But then you have Rashawn Slater, who can play uh, – maybe will be better than Sewell earlier in his career. He's out of Northwestern, uh, Sewell out of Oregon. Uh, you know, He's somebody that also can be versatile. He can play guard. He can play center. He can play either side of the line. So you know, this is a, a very important piece. I don't know if every team will have the same one, number one, but I do think they'll both be gone in the top seven or eight picks. And we may just see quarterbacks and offensive tackles go before any other position. Interesting stuff right there. I think the Raiders sitting at number 17 are in a good, good position, especially if it shakes out kind of the way that Sigmund's expecting. A lot of quarterbacks and a lot of offensive tackles off the board early. Uh, who knows? Who knows exactly who might fall to the Raiders at 17 or even get in that 17 range where they say, you know what, let's go ahead and make a move and go get this difference maker. You never, never know. I mean, there's a lot of guys. Like, I I know Kyle Pitts is the guy that every team wants to see fall to them, but, you know, you never know. He might end up falling a little bit because there is a run on quarterbacks and a run on offensive tackles. Who knows? I mean, again, I didn't think CeeDee Lamb would be there at number 17. I swore up and down he wouldn't be there at 17 a year ago, and he was. So uh, there could be some really good defensive players there. There could be some really good, uh, you know, offensive players. There, could, I mean, there could be all kind of different positions there available for the Raiders at 17. We'll just have to see how the thing shakes out, but thought that was a lot of good information, and again, I think the biggest thing is this offense Offensive tackle class is so big. If you do wait till the second round to get one, you can still get a really, really good guy. So I think that the Raiders have plenty of options. So that's all I got for you for segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. That's the number. Before I get into that, though, I want to tell you about Built Bar and the Built Bar Madness Challenge that's going on. Of course, Built Bar, great tasting protein bar. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, just great tasting all in all, right? 100% covered in chocolate. Well, they're also having the Built Bar Madness Challenge going on. I've been telling you about this for some weeks now. It's coinciding with March madness and what they're doing is they're pairing up protein bars against each other one flavor against another one and the winner moves on to find out who's the best tasting protein bar of them all so today's matchup is caramel brownie and coconut brownie chunk caramel brownie and coconut brownie chunk so 
One thing we know is a brownie is going to be moving on. We just don't know if it's going to be the caramel one or the coconut one. One of the two is moving on. You can get your vote on at BuiltBar.com. Of course, you can hit them up on Twitter, at bar underscore Built. And uh, if you want to go and order some more Built Bars, you can do that as well. BuiltBar.com. When you do, make sure you use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order at BuiltBar.com. Make sure you check back to see who won and who's moving on and getting closer, one step closer, that is, to being the best-tasting Built Bar. That's from BuiltBar.com. Segment number three is on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your time to shine. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start things off with Chef Raider, a.k.a. Freddie Fox. He's calling in to talk about a promotion or a charity that he's trying to do with his loving your mouth sauces. Here he is, Chef Raider, a.k.a. Freddie Fox. What's going on, Q? going on, Raider Nation? It's your boy, Chef Raider 860, a.k.a. Freddie Fox. So, um, recently I reached out to uh, Obi-Wan Raider's wife on Twitter, and I've been doing a promotion with my business, um, Loving Your Mouth Barbecue Sauce. I'm offering 50% of all of the revenue from my sales to... Obi-Wan Raider and his family via their GoFundMe page. Um, I set up a promo code on my website, lovingyourmouth.com. You guys can visit any orders that you place uh, under that promo code uh, so I can differentiate what's coming in from, you know, what this or that and what have you. But any orders that are placed under that promo code, 50% of the revenue um, all of the revenue will go directly to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Obi-Wan Raider and his family's uh, GoFundMe account. So, um, you know, obviously, we all know that Raider Nation is one giant family, and we're always looking out for one another, you know, helping each other out whenever and however we can. So um, that's my contribution and how I would like to you know, help one of our brothers, and um, it would be, you know, obviously a, a, a great help to um, his, him and his family if, uh, you know, any one of the, you know, you listeners can, you know, come into the website, you know what I mean, just buy a bottle or something. I mean, like, I have anything from, you know, $2, a sticker for $2 or, you know, hot sauces for six bucks up to, you know, all the way up to a giant bundle, which consists of all four hot sauces and all four barbecue sauces for, you know, 50, 60 bucks. I think it's 60 bucks or something like that. But, you know, every little bit counts. And like I said, it's all for a really good cause. So, I mean, um, you know, I'm confident that, you know, our brethren here at the Locked On Raiders podcast is going to help out. So, you know, I appreciate you all guys and, you know, sending much love to Obi-Wan Raider and his family. Um, my prayers are with you. Um, so, yeah, that's it for me. All right. I'll talk to you all. Hey. 
There goes my guy, Chef Raider, a.k.a. Freddie Fox, and definitely appreciate the efforts giving a little promo code out for his uh, his sauces, but at the same time, uh, going to a good cause, which is Obi-Wan Raider and his family. Of course, Obi-Wan Raider is, uh, you know, in the hospital currently right now, and I've kind of been updating that, uh, you know, not daily, but almost every other day here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. And as a matter of fact, I haven't said uh, an update in a couple days, so let me go ahead and give you the last update I got, and that was actually on Tuesday evening. Hey, Q, a little update on Obi. He had a hard day today. His fever stayed at 103 all day. He kept vomiting, which was very scary because of his trach. Also, the ventilator was doing more of his breathing for him today. I'm praying he has a better day tomorrow. Please let the Raider family know. I'm very thankful for the love, prayers, and support. So kind of want to give an update as well on Obi-Wan Raider, and I think that's a really cool thing that Chef Raider is doing uh, to try to help out. So promo code Obi-Wan Raider. If you didn't get to hear that, check it out, lovingyourmouth.com. And I'll tell you, his sauces, and this is unsolicited, his sauces are really, really good. He sent me some hot sauces that are incredible, and his barbecue sauces are great too. So check it out, lovingyourmouth.com, and go ahead and pump that promo code Obi-Wan Raider so he can get that money over to uh, Obi-Wan Raider's family. Of course, the um, the GoFundMe account has been set up as well, and I've retweeted it on my Twitter account, and Obi-Wan Raider's wife has put it out there as well. Mr. Mrs. Jordan 2 is her Twitter account. Next up, got a text from J.C. Raider in Ogden, Utah. Hey, Q, I've been thinking about all these short-term contracts the Raiders are handing out, and on one hand, it's great. It gives guys a chance to prove their worth and then get a payday when they do. The question I have for you is who is giving them the payday? The Raiders, to me, do not seem willing to pay the guys that do prove it. They come back at them with low-ball offers, and a lot of times they leave. So do you think that that will change? Or is Las Vegas just a stage to showcase talent for other teams? That's from J.C. Raider from Ogden, Utah. And you bring up a couple good points. Uh, I will say that a lot of these one-year deals are going on across the whole league, though. And that's because of the salary cap. You're seeing a ton of one-year deals, two-year deals. And remember I said voidable year deals? Those are the ones you're seeing as well. A lot of guys are signing one- and two-year deals. So I wouldn't really look too far into it. But you bring up a good point. If these guys ball out, like I mentioned the other day, I think last week, they deserve to get paid for it. If they ball out and prove their worth, then they, they, they should get paid. The Raiders should go out there and give them a good contract. And then it'll attract other free agents when you're trying to get them because they know, hey, they take care of the ones that really bust their tail and get after it. So you bring up some good points, but uh, the amount of one-year and two-year deals this year, I wouldn't really take a whole lot to that because that's going on across the whole NFL. Thank you so much for that text. Next up, I got a call from my guy, Cy Reezy from the Bay. He's calling to talk about free agency and also managing expectations for the upcoming season. Here he is, Cy Reezy from the Bay. What up, Q? Raider Nation, Cy Reezy from the Bay. And before I get into it today, Q, just want to shout you out for giving us an incredibly level-headed perspective throughout this roller coaster that we call free agency. And, you know, that's really valuable to us, I think, as fans and consumers of your content because, you know, that's just not that common out there. There's a lot of talking heads out there who swing one way or the other, who like to pile on as critics. Um, and, you know, I think that's a really good thing for fans to have is a nice level-headed perspective, which brings me to my conversation for today, which is about managing our expectations. And I'm bringing this up because this is that time of the year where the hype train starts to build up steam. You know, free agency starts to close out, and we start to get all excited about the draft. The next thing we talk about training camp. And this is when fans, like us, attempted to reach for that sweet, sweet Kool-Aid and start taking a sip, and sips turn to drinks, and drinks turn to jugs. Next thing you know, we go from 8-8 eight and eight to 10-6 and six guaranteed to by the time kickoff rolls around, it's 12-4, and four and we're Super Bowl, Super Bowl bound, baby. And before you know it, we wake up, it's January, and we're sitting on the same couch as our Raiders watching some other team in the playoffs with a banging hangover from that Kool-Aid and a salty taste in the mouth 
from another lost season. So how do we avoid all that? By managing our expectations, controlling what we can control. And what better place to start that conversation but the offensive line? Why? I think all of us expected that offensive line was a foundational unit that was going to be intact to start the season. That didn't happen. You know, they took a wrecking ball to the offensive line, and we thought that might have happened one day. We just didn't expect it to happen now. Well, anytime you tear down and rebuild an offensive line that's anything better than average, which the Raiders' line was good, maybe not great, you have to expect some regression because offensive lines are not built overnight. It's a team within a team. It's five men working together in the trenches where each man knows what the man next to him is doing, and they all work in lockstep as a unit to execute their plays. That takes hundreds, if not thousands, of reps to build the kind of chemistry necessary to get to that level. So no matter who's on the roster, and the roster's a big work in progress, we can talk about that. There's going to be plenty of time to discuss that. You're going to have to expect a little bit of regression to start the season. I don't care if you reloaded with nothing but all pros and first-round picks. If they haven't played together, you've got to expect some regression in the short term, at least to start the season. Hopefully by the end of the season they start picking up steam to where they can look like a really promising unit. So that's all I got. There he goes right there, Cyreezy from the Bay, and that's the biggest key, man. you got to have reasonable expectations. Now, with that being said, the thing is – I believe that, you know, reasonable expectations have been there for the Raiders since Gruden's return. You know, he was 4-12, and then 7-9. and And even in the 7-9 and season, in 2019, a lot of Raider Nation was calling the podcast saying, hey, man, the, the Raiders can make the playoffs. They can make the playoffs. And I kept calling it the P word. I wasn't willing to go there. I didn't think that they were ready for the playoffs just yet. But in 2020, I, I felt like, hey, man, you should make the playoffs. And I get it. It was different circumstances in 2020. COVID was something that nobody had any idea about, didn't have any kind of idea how to deal with it. It was all an experiment. I get that. But I don't want to use that as an excuse. I mean, I feel like that they should have made the playoffs in 2020 and it was a fail that they didn't. Now, 2021, okay, here we are again. Now, I do believe that they should this should be a playoff team regardless. I don't care what they got to get do to get there. They should make the playoffs in 2021. But We'll see. Now, as far as the offensive line goes, you're right. That's a unit. I mean, offensive lines are probably the tightest units in the league. You know what I mean? Like, they do everything together. They eat. They sleep. They they don't sleep together. But you know what I mean? They do everything together. They're always on the same page. They need time to gel. So you might see a little bit of regression early, and, and that might be okay. As long as they get through it pretty quickly and are able to get on the same page, uh, and that's going to be Tom Cable's job. He's going to have to be able to figure out how to get them on the same page earlier uh, rather than later. But maybe they'll be peaking at the better part of the season, which is towards the end, instead of peaking at the very beginning. So maybe they'll finish off the season really strong. But you bring up some great points about managing expectations and, of course, the offensive line, how it's got to be one cohesive unit. So thank you so much for that. Appreciate you. Got a couple more texts on today's show. Got a text from Weapon X from PA. He says, Q, here's my post-free agency first four rounds mock. I don't see any moves between now and the draft that would change who the Raiders draft. Anyone signed in that time will probably be a vet on a one- or two-year deal. If the Raiders move up, I would see either Devontae Smith or Michael Parsons being the target if they follow the top 10. At 17, it's one or two players for me. Trayvon Merrick from TCU or Jeremiah Wusu koromoa from Notre Dame. I don't see offensive alignment until round two or three, pro football focus like my mock what are your thoughts here is his mock draft at 17 Trayvon Merrick pro football focus gave him an A plus for that 48 overall that's round two Liam Eichenberg tackle out of Notre Dame got a B plus for that at number 79 Amon Ray St. Brown wide receiver out of USC pro football focus gave him a B plus for that 80 
Dylan Moses, linebacker out of Alabama. Pro Football Focus gave him a B-plus for that. Number 121, Deontay Brown, guard out of Alabama. He also got a B-plus for that from Pro Football Focus. Overall grade, the Raiders got an A- for Weapon X's draft for the first four rounds. Got Trayvon Merrick, Liam Eichenberg, Amon Ray St. Brown, Dylan Moses, Deontay Brown, and uh, that was it. So that's really good if it could fall that way. I mean, that's awesome. Uh, I think there was a bunch of difference makers there. Dylan Moses may still be a little high there, but maybe not. You know, and, and of course, that injury, I mentioned it on Thursday's show, that injury, he just has not been the same since he tore his ACL a couple seasons ago, but still a heck of a player. Um, some nice representation for the Crimson Tide there with Deontay Brown and Dylan Moses. I like it. And then, of course, Trayvon Merrick, safety at TCU, number 17. Good stuff, man. Appreciate you. Final text for the show. Final text for the week comes from 208 Raiders. Says, my boy Q, Raider Nation. Have you guys enjoyed the Drake highlight reel that the Raiders put on social media as much as I have? I love having Jacobs on the team, but Drake is considerably faster in the open field than Jacobs is. 1A and 1B is a spot-on analysis for what we have now, and I hope the O-line play this year will do those guys justice. Don't forget we have Richard as well, who's done a great job for us catching passes and making plays after the catch. Raider Nation for life. Shout out to my people in the 209 and the 530. I'm originally from Stockton, but lived in the Sierra Nevadas until I moved to Idaho when I was 15. Much love to all you from the 208 Raider who gets the nostalgic Cali feeling when I hear you guys repping the 209 and the 530. Peace. That's again from 208 Raider. Thank you so much for that. Stockton, California, huh? I used to work in Stockton, California at K-Win Radio Station. That was the first time I had a full-time job. I was doing overnights. And I'll tell you right now, Stockton is not the place that you stop just because you need to take a break. You either you either know where you're going or you don't. You know, you keep it pushing when you get to Stockton, man. It is not the friendliest city in America, but it was great to get a job at that radio station, and it really kind of launched my career. That was in the 209. Then I went on down the highway a little bit, went to Hot 104.7, and then I moved on to Fresno, Cali, a little bit down the road, a little bit more, uh, went to Q97. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, it's always nice repping the 209 uh, here on the show. So uh, thank you so much for that. As far as the Drake highlight reel, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, he's a hell of a player, and I do think that you have a starter on the field at all times, Jacobs and Drake. So that's exactly what the Raiders need. They need those guys that can get it done at all times. And Jacobs has kind of tailed off towards the end of the season, both years in the league. You want to be able to have him fresh at the end of the season. There's a lot of reasons why the Raiders have failed the last two years, uh, you know, getting to the playoffs and towards the back end of the season. And Jacobs not being able to finish and not being able to, you know, keep up the pace that he was at early in the season is part of that issue. So if he can stay fresh and Drake can stay fresh and last all season long, that is a great thing. So thank you so much for that. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate all the texts and the feedback that we've gotten on the show all week long. Have a great weekend, Raider Nation. We'll be back at it on Monday. Uh, enjoy yourself. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Social distance. Uh, you know, this COVID-19 is still a thing, so don't act like it's over because it's not. But just do what you got to do and stay safe, all right? Until then, Raider Nation, until Monday, as always, just win, baby.